all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. Welcome to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. You know, fear is one of our most basic emotions. And while it's essential to life, sometimes it can grow to become overwhelming. What do you do when your child is afraid of the dark? How do you deal with fear from a traumatic event? We'll be addressing these questions and more today as we talk about childhood fears with our special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress. You can share your comments and questions with us this morning by calling one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 Or send an email to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens from MPB Think Radio. From NPR News in Washington, I'm Lakshmi Singh. The GOP-led Senate is holding two of the final hearings on Donald Trump's cabinet nominees as he prepares to take the oath of office in 24 hours. Steve Mnuchin is seeking confirmation to lead the Treasury. He's facing a barrage of questions about his handling of foreclosures when he owned a California-based bank. And Trump's nominee to run the Department of Energy says he no longer wants to eliminate it. NPR's Jeff Brumfield reports that now Rick Perry believes in the department's mission. When former Texas Governor Rick Perry was running for president in 2011, he listed the Department of Energy as one of three agencies he hoped to scrap. Not anymore. In his Senate confirmation hearing, he said his views have changed as he learned more about what the department actually does. In fact, after being briefed on So many of the vital functions of the Department of Energy, I regret recommending its elimination. The Energy Department maintains the nation's stockpile of nuclear weapons. It also oversees billions of dollars in nuclear cleanup and basic scientific research. Perry says he is committed to the department's many missions and will support them if confirmed. Jeff Brumfield, NPR News. The president-elect has chosen former Georgia Governor Sonny Perdue for Secretary of Agriculture. Trump's announcement rounds out the cabinet he hopes will be confirmed by the Senate and ready to go after he's sworn in tomorrow. The U.S. Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals has upheld the conviction of an ex-coal company CEO. West Virginia Public Broadcasting's Ashton Marr reports the former executive was sentenced to federal prison after being convicted of conspiring to violate mine safety laws in 2015. The decision means former Massey Energy CEO Don Blankenship will serve out the remainder of his one-year sentence, which began in May of 2016. Blankenship was convicted of conspiring to violate federal mine safety laws during his time at Massey. Federal prosecutors say his focus on profit over safety led to the 2010 Upper Big Branch Mine disaster in southern West Virginia. An explosion in the mine killed 29 men. In his appeal, Blankenship's attorneys argued U.S. District Judge Irene Berger had 
had erred when instructing jurors on the definition of willful after an eight-week trial. A three-judge panel wrote in their affirmation of the conviction that, quote, the district court committed no reversible error, end quote. For NPR News, I'm Ashton Mara in Charleston, West Virginia. More than a dozen automakers are issuing a recall that affects more than 650,000 vehicles across the U.S. because of potentially deadly airbag inflators made by Takata. Those carmakers include Subaru, Mitsubishi, Audi, Nissan, and Daimler vans. At last check on Wall Street, the Dow was off 38 points. This is NPR News. The Pentagon says B-2 bombers and drones have attacked ISIS targets in Libya. Under President Obama's authorization, the U.S. military took out two Islamic State militant camps just southwest of Sturt overnight. The Pentagon says the Libyan government was aware of the operation. The Iranian government is shrugging off concerns about the effect a Trump administration will have on the anti-nuclear agreement Iran signed with the U.S. and five other world powers. The sidelines of a meeting, Kuala Lumpur Foreign Minister Mohammad Jazaf Zarif said his country has options if Trump were to pull out of the pact. Baseball's Hall of Fame has three new members, former first baseman Jeff Bagwell, former catcher Yvonne Rodriguez, and former outfielder Tim Raines were voted in Wednesday, despite some taint on their careers. NPR's Tom Goldman says that may indicate voters are softening on the issue of drugs in baseball. Tim Raines played from 1979 to 2002. The meat of his career was the 1980s with Montreal, where he was a seven-time All-Star. Raines was one of the best leadoff hitters in history and ranks fifth all-time in stolen bases. He also played during baseball's so-called cocaine era and admitted using the drug during games. Slugging first baseman Jeff Bagwell played his entire stellar 15-year career with the Houston Astros. Yvonne Pudge Rodriguez played 21 years and was an all-star with the Texas Rangers and later with the Detroit Tigers. Bagwell and Rodriguez played during the so-called steroid era of the 1990s and 2000s. Both were suspected of drug use before baseball started testing and punishing players. Tom Goldman, NPR News. I'm Lakshmi Singh, NPR News, Washington. Support for NPR comes from Avalara, tax automation for businesses of all sizes. Avalara works to simplify sales tax and other business taxes with real-time rates and automatic filing at avalara.com, A-V-A-L-A-R-A.com. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 MPB Ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Pediatrics and Internal Medicine at UMMC and Program Director of the MedPeds Residency Program. Childhood is often the time when we develop our strongest emotional responses, and sometimes our children's fears can be very difficult as a parent or grandparent to deal with. While experiencing fear is part of the human experience, sometimes those fears can be debilitating. Today we're going to be talking about some common childhood fears and how to address them with our special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress. And as usual, we'll love taking your calls and questions this morning. You can reach us this morning at one mpb ring 
That's one 672 7464 Or you can send an email to kidsandteens at mpbonline.org. Dr. Buttress, welcome to Thursday. Thank you. Good morning, good morning. Good morning. It's a different seat for you today. It is. Um, I'm not in the driver's seat. It feels good to have you directing things. Well, if I fall out, I know uh, you can jump in. uh, (laughs) (laughs) If I get afraid, if I get a sudden overwhelming fear this morning. um, So welcome to the program. For those of you who who don't tune in to Dr. Buttress on Tuesdays for Relatively Speaking, uh, you're missing it. Uh, She always brings it and, and has some great suggestions for whatever the topic is. So we thought we would recruit her to Thursdays, and uh, and uh, at least for today, and just to, right. s- to see, uh, uh, have another another view about this this topic. So, you know, fear is one of those things. I had um, one of my patients' parents said they were talking about their toddler and um, about how um, excited she gets with playing sort of the pee pie game or the, you know, uh-huh. where, where they get scared. It's like a manageable fear. Right. And I, th- I thought, you know, there is a fine line between when fear is fun. I mean, we have scary movies. People enjoy that. Kids enjoy that to a certain extent. But then it becomes a, a big deal if you have a phobia about something or something that's that's related to an event or maybe not. Right. I mean, it's really interesting the the scope of fear. Right. You know, Tuesday we talked a little bit about anxiety and toxic stress. And when anxiety becomes toxic and damaging and um, and the same thing goes with fears and phobias. Uh, Like you said, a little a little bit of fear is really okay to be a little bit anxious about something. And, And actually, some fears are very protective. Like um, even in infancy, uh, children, infants have fears as a protective response. One of the first ones is that stranger anxiety. Yeah. So you know when somebody's not familiar, so you're a little more hyper alert. And that starts, gosh, as early as four or five months, yeah. right? Yeah. So um, phobias, uh, those those fears that, that really give you that fight or flight phenomena are the, the things that really are problematic for parents. And, and a lot of it starts with little simple things like fear of the dark. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of times uh, they'll have a trigger for that, but sometimes mm-hmm. they don't. And a lot of those tend to be sort of age specific. They go along with those basic fears that are that are you know, have their roots from protective mechanisms, like you mentioned, separation right. anxiety later on as a right. toddler. And, um, but it is, you know, I, I can, you know, that's one of the questions we get in clinic quite a bit is, is how do I deal with my child's fear, particularly if it becomes an irrational fear? They won't ever go to sleep at night. Uh, every time we turn off the light, I was just talking right. to, a, to another patient this morning and they said, you know, their five-year-old uh, has to recruit uh, his younger sister to go with him uh, in dark places to turn mm. on the light. So, you know, that you can certainly get to the point where those things sort of overwhelm you. Um, and then how do you deal with those over time? But they are important. You know, I, I think right. uh, there, there are some misconceptions from parents sometimes because we, you know, every parent, every good parent uh, tends to be protective of your children and you don't want anything bad to happen to them. But certainly, you know, fear is a healthy thing that they can have to protect them uh, from from certain things. And that that has to be learned in some situations. But as you mentioned, those basic fears that help 
protect you as a child, as a baby, uh, up through toddler to early childhood are, are very important. Uh, you know, and there's, there's, as you mentioned, Tuesday, a lot with the toxic stress that comes from overwhelming anxiety, cumulative anxieties and fears. There's certainly some physical responses if you think about, uh, you know, as an adult, if you get scared, your pulse quickens, your blood pressure can go up, um, you get, you break out in a sweat, uh, you may feel like your heart's pumping out of your chest. You know, if those occur over and over again, there's certainly not a whole lot of data in childhood about that. But we know from adult studies that there's that the longer that goes on, it can lead to a the number worse of it is. yeah, yeah, right. the worse it is, and all the anxiety issues. Right, right. So, so the the fears. You know, you mentioned a couple of things. I thought I'd I'd just bring out again. There's some things that parents find very helpful, like the stranger fear or the separation anxiety. Those are good. And I think there are probably a whole lot of parents out there who remember um, when they wished their two or three year old would have had more separation anxiety and stayed with them right. when they were shopping yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Or <laughs> some families have the wanderer. Right. <laughs> that wanderer. <laughs> never, is... never meets a stranger. <laughs> so sometimes we as parents inadvertently reinforce fears um, are that fearful behavior trying to keep our children safe. So, you know, you you tell them, stay away from strangers, don't talk to strangers. Well, all that's really important. But depending on the type of child you're dealing with, whether they're that more introverted or more anxious child, you might be reinforcing a fear already that might turn into something much more profound, much more problematic than you meant for it to. And right. you go from protecting your child to really hurting your child um, yeah. accidentally. Yeah, I've heard some you know stories in middle and, and late uh, adolescence of uh, you know just what some parents have said to their children of social situations of interacting with other people that, you know, maybe at the time seemed appropriate and they might have been appropriate at that age level, but get carried over to the point where they it interferes with how they interact with others. We're talking about fears this morning with our special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress. We would love to hear about your family's fears. Maybe that's your child dealing with something right now and you are at your wits end with how to deal with it. We would love to hear from you this morning. You can reach us by calling one 877 MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Or you can email us at kids and teens at mpbonline.org. So I know you you mentioned a lot of the sort of emotional aftermath mm-hmm. of of retained fear or unresolved fear as a child gets o- older. Uh, what are some of those things that can pop out later on? Well. Certainly, those fears can turn into full-blown phobias where you truly um, are unable to work or socialize or perform as you should as an adult. Mm -hmm. So that's why this topic is so important for us to deal with now 
um, on young children and and certainly teens. And and this is not just a show, I don't think, right, about just toddlers and young ones. Because you can have teenagers who have pretty significant fears and phobias, and it can really interfere with their day-to-day function, their ability to go outside, Mm -hmm. their ability to to do other things. Yeah, and I would say... It's a whole lot. It may not seem like it at the time if you have a younger child or toddler when they have those fears of the dark or monsters under the bed. And and those can be debilitating at the time. But those other fears, uh, social situations, speaking in public, um, that can really hinder an adolescent's uh, development, how well they perform in school. It changes the whole dynamic of their friends and peers that they have around. So it certainly puts a big dent into normal childhood and adolescent development. Exactly. I I think that one thing that we want to keep in mind is the fact that um, if you have a child, a toddler, who's two or three years of age, and that toddler is uh, afraid of the dark, then you as a parent have a very controlled environment where they, they, that toddler, will be very open with you and talk to you about their fear. Mm-hmm. So then you can go through that way, that that protocol, so to speak, of how to combat your fear where um, you... You help them step through it. You um, teach them how to turn the lights on. You teach them that it's okay to have a nightlight in their room. You let them sweep their room to make sure that everything's okay and safe. Now, when you get into a teenager or certainly an adult, who may still have that same fear, they are most likely not to communicate that with you because they know that's not normal. Um, Somebody's going to make fun of them about this, and so they're not allowed to talk about it. So they internalize all of this, and they increase that stress. And, you know, we talked about that fight-or-flight phenomena where your heart rate goes up, your blood pressure goes up. And you, as a physician who deals with hypertension a lot, I know, know that that long-term um, wear and tear on your body is just terrible for yeah. you. Yeah, and it, if you look at the physical results of it, as you mentioned, hypertension, and we have a, a phenomenon called uh, white coat hypertension, mm-hmm. which sounds pretty benign. Uh, we don't necessarily treat those individuals, whether they be you know kids, teens, or adults, uh, with medication. But it is an exaggerated stress response. Mm-hmm. So, every so that time, white coat is exactly. is walking into the doctor's yeah. office and all of a sudden having high blood pressure. Right. And that, yeah. So it it, yeah. it is, and it does confer an increased risk of cardiovascular disease later in life, just because every time you approach that person, if they're approached with a, a, a stressful situation, they're going to have this exaggerated response, and it's you know traffic right now in Jackson (laughs) right? uh, in the rain that can be a little stressful so um, yeah you have to you have to sort of talk through those things uh, particularly with an adolescent we're talking about fear today with our special guest Dr. Susan Buttress uh, on MPB uh, Southern Remedy Kids and Teens and we're going to take a short break but when we come back we're going to go to Lucy in Jackson and, uh, and we would love to hear about your fears that your family is dealing with right now, no matter what their ages. You can give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 We'll be right back. 
Inauguration Day is right around the corner, and Chapter 1 of a new administration is set to begin. As stories take shape, NPR will be here with coverage you can depend on to help you make sense of it all. Listen every day. On Mississippi Edition, you'll hear in-depth discussions on the issues that matter to you. We'll bring you important news about the state's always changing political climate. You'll hear from community leaders and others working to make a difference. And of course, there'll be stories from the real lives of real Mississippians. So check us out. We're online at mpbonline.org or on the air every weekday morning at 8.30, right here on MPB Think Radio. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens, with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Susan Buttress, and we're talking about childhood and adolescent fears and how do you deal with those. And uh, got some really good discussions so far. We're going to go to our first caller of the hour, Lucy from Jackson, who has a question about a 15-year-old. Good morning, Lucy. Thank you for calling this morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I'm just concerned that something is is going on with my 15-year-old that's interfering with with school and with social situations things just aren't right is it just that something's changed there uh, in behavior to be withdrawing i don't know what's going on but it does seem to be affecting grades now and even not wanting to be you know with his friends as much so just don't know how to you know i've asked but just don't know how to intervene because I'm not getting much from them, but I don't know what's going on. Right. Is it boy or girl? Boy. Okay. All right. Dr. Buttress, how would you, how would you approach that? Yeah, with a 15-year-old, um, Lucy, uh, there are so many different issues that you want to make sure about. Um, you said your, your son is withdrawn. Has his sleep pattern changed and his eating pattern changed also? No, not that, that I've seen. It just seems it's just not as you know most a lot of boys don't talk a lot but he's right. just not really engaging and he doesn't seem to be you know wanting to to hang out with his friends quite as much mm-hmm. and it's affecting his grades but i don't know what's going on yeah well, the first thing that um, concerns me whenever I hear about a 15-year-old who's withdrawing and not engaging in w- with their friends because peers are way more important than right. almost anything else at this age is possible depression. So, Or if there's a bullying situation that's going on, um, those two would be really sort of at the top of my list over any kind of real fear or phobia. It may be that... Um, some mood issue. Of course, you always want to, to know about where they are and what they're doing, drugs, alcohol, another big issue that comes up at this age that right. you want to just be aware of. And, you know, I, I don't know if you've tried to sit down and ask, but but the first thing I would do in a um, 
a situation where it's just you and him and you feel like you and he can sit down um, in a quiet space, say, son, I, I see something's changed. I'm a little concerned about you. Um, I want you to know I'm here. Instead of asking him what's wrong with you, say, I'm here to listen. Um, please let me know if there's anything I can do. I know something's going on in your head, and I know it'll be better for you if you are able to express it to someone. And if that's not me, then I can find someone who you can talk to. Or if you think he has a good friend who maybe can come in, mm-hmm. that's that's sort of the way I would approach it to start. Okay. Okay. It seems, you know, I've tried that to a, to a degree. I mm-hmm. maybe need to get a little more serious with it. But at this point, I think I'm just getting on his nerves. Right. And that's why sometimes it's a good idea to enlist a friend, a good friend that he's hung out with before. Go go to him and say, do you mind just sitting down and and talking with him, asking him to come with you? If he refuses um, that, then I would become a little bit more concerned and I'd, I'd try to take it up another notch. If there's any adult that he has talked to, you might also talk to the school and find out if they see a change in behavior and that it's not just a change in wanting mother uninvolved in his life, you know. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Sure. Thank you, Lucy. Okay. Bye. Yeah, I have a 15-year-old boy right now, and uh, and from time to time, you know, you have those those issues that you w- I want to engage him on. Mm-hmm. I just know mm-hmm. he's not going to talk to me about it. No, <laughs> that's right. They just don't want parents involved right now. So it's it's kind of a fine line. I, I know that I got trapped into that episode of those periods when with my teenagers boys and girls i would start they wouldn't talk um how'd your day go today okay and so i would start firing questions at them and then i'd go wait this is so the wrong way (laughs) so open-ended questions and just saying i'm here to listen when you're ready to talk is kind of the way to approach it's tough it's tough to do especially if you've laid the groundwork and you have those you know, that good relationship with them. Uh, but yet when they get into that middle adolescence, especially, they'll sort of drift off and try to find them themselves and they don't care what you have to say. No. And it comes around, though. Yeah. yeah you know, I tell people and you hear this all the time. I was not very bright. In fact, I was the least informed person my kids knew until they were about 18 or 19. And all of a sudden <laughs> I got smart. <laughs> so just have to have a glacial look about it uh, as a parent. <laughs> right. So right. hang in there all you parents of teens we're with you uh so we're talking about uh, fears today on southern remedy kids and teens with dr susan buttress would love to hear your fears that you had maybe you had a fear in adolescence that uh now you can talk about it you're past that point and how did you deal with it we would love to hear uh how you uh how you dealt with it and some of the the way you felt uh during that time you can give us a call this morning at one eight seven seven mpb ring that's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, or you can email us at kids and teens at mpbonline dot org. Let's go to Frank in Jackson. Good morning, Frank. Yes, good morning. Thank you for calling. Well, thank you for your show, and thank you for inviting that lovely Susan, Susan, Susan lady. Doctor <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Buttress, Frank. <laughs> My kids are long gone, and. Um, I've never got a good explanation for what night terrors were. 
basically, kid would wake up and just cry for one or two hours, and then go to sleep. And the next morning, like nothing happened. And when we had our kids, the doctors just kind of shrugged their shoulders. Has there been any new research or any new information on what causes that? Um, Frank, that's a great question. And night terrors are really terrifying. I had a child who had one night terror. And I can remember it vividly still, because what happens is a child, there is um, some research. We know um, when it occurs in the sleep cycle, you know, there, there are several cycles of sleep. And it seems to be when a child gets stuck between sleep cycles, about the uh, three and four, and um it seems that many times children who have been stressed right before they go to sleep, if they're overly tired, if there's been a real difficult day or a difficult situation, or um, like I said, sleep deprivation, if they miss a nap, if they haven't gotten enough hours of sleep, many times you'll see a higher incidence of that. What they are, for listeners who don't know, is that a child will sit up often um, or even stand up and have their eyes open, appear to be awake, and just scream many times. They'll mm. just scream or act terribly agitated and move about so they are not in REM sleep when they're paralyzed, but they look like they're having a horrible, horrible nightmare, but they're awake. Um, they're not awake. They're still asleep. They're stuck in that sleep cycle. Um, it's typically the best thing to do is to uh, watch it, uh, keep them in a safe place, make sure, but don't worry about trying to wake them up. Um, new research says it it doesn't hurt them if you wake them up. Um, they used to say, don't dare wake them up. But now it seems it doesn't really make any real difference. It um, often can interrupt it. Um, the The night terrors can last for several minutes. And um, the child typically has no memory of it whatsoever the next morning. The parent does, but the child doesn't. <laughs> so um, treatments, um, the best things to do, make sure that they've gotten enough sleep. Um, try to keep them rested. Have a nice calming bedtime routine before they go to bed. I always say, you know, um, no exercise about an hour prior to bed. Have bath, have book time, reading time. If they're older, you can just talk about something really pleasant that happened that day. Don't ever talk about negatives prior to bed, ever, ever. <laughs> and um, and then um Try to make sure that they feel safe and secure if they they have a stuffed animal, a blanket, something like that. That can be really, really helpful, too. Um, and then the last thing I'll say about night terrors um, is that if they have occurred in a cyclical um, sort of standpoint, like they're reoccurring over and over, and they always occur at like 2 o'clock in the morning, um, then one thing you can do is set your alarm clock for quarter of two and um, wake the child up. Just disrupt their sleep. Sometimes that can be helpful, but that's hard. Sort of reset the sleep cycle then. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I would say, too, you know, if we talk about sleep hygiene, um, you know, caffeine can creep in in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I, you see a 
ton of young children that are given caffeine, caffeinated beverages, sometimes, you know, even earlier in the day can have a big effect on a young child and can interrupt their sleep cycle. Uh, so you want to think about that too, what their diet is uh, during the day, and that includes drinks. So uh, then they can be, I've witnessed one too. I mean, they can be incredibly frightening mm-hmm. for the parent mm-hmm. uh, to, to witness this and you can feel paralyzed. And, you know, I, I, I think we said this before on the program, sometimes as a physician, uh, we're looking for the things that are going to damage the child long-term right. uh, that are very serious things as far as the health of the child. And sometimes we say some things we probably shouldn't like, this is nothing to worry about. Uh, don't worry about this. And we come across as blowing <laughs> it off. It can be very traumatic on the pa- and the parent. So that, that that's what it means. I hope that, you know, this has sort of changed. This show has changed the way I talk to patients in a lot of ways uh, because of that. So, uh, so when you hear that, it doesn't mean that it's not important because it's very important when it's happening to your child. Uh, it, it's reassuring that it's going to cause no long-term damage. Right. So Right. Just keep them safe. I hope that helped, Frank. Yes, Thank you. Does. Thank you so much, Al. I'll pass that on to my, uh, my children and their great-grandchildren. All right. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> Good deal. This is Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with my special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress, and we're talking about childhood and adolescent fears. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to go to Deborah and Jackson. You can give us a call with your questions about fears in your children or maybe that you had when you were a child or an adolescent at 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We'll be right back after this. You're a sustaining member of MPB Think Radio. We appreciate your support of our programs. To become a sustainer, go to mpbonline.org. Hey, it's Peter Sagal. Are you resolved to lose a few pounds this year? How about a few thousand pounds through the Public Radio Vehicle Donation Diet? Donate your old car, truck, or RV to support this station and drop a lot of unwanted weight from your garage in a matter of days. And you'll feel great because you're also supporting public radio in the biggest of ways. It's easy, fast, and you may even earn a tax write-off. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. To listen to stories and shows, go to mpbonline.org. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call one 877 mpb ring That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Susan Buttress, and we're talking about childhood and adolescent fears this morning, like all the things that you have to deal with and all the different triggers and how best to deal with those. We're going to have some specific ways you might can do that in just a little bit. But first, let's go to your calls. You can, of course, call us with your fears that you had as a child or that you're dealing with in your children right now at one eight seven seven mpb ring 
That's one 672 7464 We're going to go to Deborah in Jackson. Good morning, Deborah. Good morning. How are you all? Good. Thank you for calling. Uh, yes, sir. I was raped as a child, and uh, I was beaten by my dad terribly. Mm. And I'm not going to tell a story. You know, it's just the way it was. And uh, it still bothers me to this day. And uh, I just want to put it out there, you know. Yeah, Deborah. I, I first of all, thank you for for sharing that. That's a very you know personal things like that that certainly you carry with you for for an awful long time, and it uh, takes a lot of courage to uh, to share that with people. And hey, what about traumatic events like that, yeah. uh, Doctor Buttress? I mean, that yeah. certainly is a trigger for a lot of fears. Uh, you know, death uh, is another Phobias, one, and, yeah. and and loss. Uh, so yeah. how do, how do you counsel somebody yeah. while they're having that yeah well deborah um just if if you don't mind i'd like to make a couple of comments to you specifically yes. and then i'll come back to that um deborah that's uh horribly traumatic and it can have long-term effects and mm-hmm. so what i would suggest to you if you haven't gotten therapy for this you you get it now you get some help because it's very important to have to to for a couple of things to have the ability to get the story out have someone listen who can talk you through it and and remind you that you had um you had nothing to do with why that happened it all had to do with the other individual that bad individual who was doing that and the sickness illness whatever they had um so you you there is a therapy called cognitive behavioral therapy there are many trained therapists in this area you're in jackson we have them at the university of mississippi medical center they're out in private practice they're at the mental health centers i would really encourage you to to get help with that because that is a heavy heavy burden that has it's happened to many people but um it, some people um are able to completely recover but often it takes therapy it can yeah. impair relationships it can um like dr stewart just said uh it can cause uh, additional fears and phobias it can keep you from having a normal healthy sexual relationship so you want to take good care of yourself so i would highly encourage you um but what those traumatic events can do is long term we talked about that toxic stress how Mm -hmm. terrible that that can be on your health long term Um, it can cause um, impaired sleep Um, it can cause um, PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder where you have those reoccurring nightmares reoccurring dreams panic attacks that occur that this might happen again so there are many long-term ramifications of significant traumatic events such as that so that's why i never ever ever make light of that um it doesn't matter if it was a long time ago if it's still troubling you you need to seek help for that Yes, ma'am. I got a mental health, but lately I had fell in uh, November 26th, and I broke eight ribs. And before that, I broke a foot at this place I'm living. Now it doesn't get kicked out, so it's all aggravation on me right now. Oh, yeah. 
Um, yeah, well, you know, like we mentioned earlier, I don't know if you heard us, but sometimes um, new traumatic events can bring up old trauma. So the fact that you've experienced that new trauma may be just bringing up all those bad um, thoughts and memories in your head. So, um, gosh, good luck to you. Deborah. There, there's some help out there. If you have any specific questions, um, you can send an email to family at mpbonline.org, and I'd be happy to answer any specifics on that. Okay. But thanks for your call. Okay. God bless you. All right. Thank you, Deborah. That's, yeah, that's, that is tough. And you, you get in a situation too like that. Sometimes it's incredibly difficult. You feel that guilt uh, that's misplaced, as you mentioned, and uh, you don't want to reach out to somebody right. uh, to get the help that you need. And, you, you know, people say some really cruel things during those times, uh, you know, oh, about pulling yourself out of it. I mean, the same thing with kids, you know, a fear or uh, that's either tied to a traumatic event or even if it's not just saying you just need to get grow up and get over that. Stop crying. That is not the thing to do, particularly during that that ish, you know, when it's going on. Oh, absolutely not. I um, I was just we were talking about scary movies um, not too long ago and we were talking about I'm I'm very not young, <laughs> very not young. How's that? Um, and uh, I remember when I was very young watching um, the movie Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, which was with Betty Davis. And this it was she all this be scary. Ooh, yeah, that's oh. classic scary there. And um, I can remember after watching that movie, don't ask me why. I think my parents didn't know what I was watching, um, <laughs> why I watched it at a movie theater in the fifth or sixth grade and honestly I was terrified to go into an empty hallway to go near a staircase forever and um, my brother sweet older brother never made fun of me he just tried to reassure me that everything was okay we were a big family of eight and so I relied on my older siblings to kind of take care of me and so um, but they they reassured me and didn't make fun of me and that like you said is really important kids feel real fear Mm -hmm. they really do have that fight or flight phenomena to fuss at them to punish them for not wanting to go into the dark bathroom mm-hmm. is not helping anything. In fact, all it's doing is reinforcing the anxiety. So you really want to make sure that you help them step through it appropriately. Yeah, I've, I've shared this on the program before, and it's a phobia that I've gotten uh, better at dealing with over the years. But but my scary movie as a kid was Jaws. Oh, yeah. And I didn't see it in the theater. I saw, I saw it at home, and... Uh, yeah, it scared me to death. And for years after that, still to this day, sometimes if I'm in a swimming pool, I'm 40, almost 47 <laughs> years old. I've been being in a swimming pool and this this very brief thought comes into my head. There might be a shark in this pool with me. You know, it's amazing wow. how yeah. powerful a yeah. fear is, uh, you know, and, and certainly when I'm out in the ocean, I know there are sharks out here. Chances of me getting Bitter, very, very low. Right. Uh, I've sort of forced myself as I grew older to deal with that little by little, you know, mm-hmm. taking steps, reassuring myself. I've seen sharks when I'm out there before and, you know, and able to deal with that. But still, to this day, you know, that was a long time ago. 
uh, it still stays there. Yeah, I dare say there are many, many people out there who watch Shaw's and now yeah. are terrified at the beach, which is one of my favorite spots in the whole world, our Gulf Coast. And so I just, I think that is so sad. Now, one way I dealt with it is I learned that I was so impressionable at that I just don't watch scary movies anymore. I just don't do it. And my kids, uh, two of them hate scary movies. Two of them love scary movies. And and one just is sort of in the middle. It doesn't matter. But um, I I think some people love that and and can put it away. And and others, like me, um, think about all the different possibilities of yeah. everything that can happen. <laughs> <laughs> that active mind. I, so I have. So I have a split uh, in my family. So so my kids, uh, my older child actually doesn't care for the scary movies. Mm-hmm. He's gotten to the point now where it's not as big deal. But he used to get terrified of that. My younger child, even when he was real, he's three years younger than my oldest. Uh, he thinks that scary things are the funniest thing ever. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, it, and much to uh, to my older child's, uh, you know, he, he I, the younger child would watch a, a scary movie and advertisement on, on TV and then use that to terrify my older child oh. at night, you know, and just laugh at him and just t- torture him at night. You know, I, I, it was just go on and on. But I have yet, and I kept thinking at some point he's going to get scared of something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and we finally found it. He, unfortunately, he got uh, stung by, uh, you know, some ants or hornets. He's terrified about that kind of situation. But yeah. As far as that, you know, sort of fictional, scary movie type thing, he laughs his head off at that stuff. And uh, it's amazing to me that he doesn't get scared like that. Such differences in personality. Yeah. Is your wife one of those who can laugh it off? She, Yes, yeah. she likes the sky. I'm probably the one that can, like you said, I start thinking about it and thinking, okay, it, the possibility it of is. a shark this far up the Mississippi River is probably, a, it's it's possible. Yeah. Not probable, but it's yeah. possible. Yeah. Um, let's go to Martha in Waynesboro. Good morning, Martha. Yeah. Right. Good morning. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, my, She's almost four years old. My little granddaughter has a very unhealthy fear of cats and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, she's never had a traumatic incident with, you know, one or the other. And I don't have a dog, but I do have a cat. And... She is a phobia. I mean, when she comes here, I have to lock the cat up, and she's still conscious of it. Every once in a while, she'll say, where's the cat? Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, we live in a world where there are cats and dogs. Yeah. And I don't understand, you know, I just don't understand it. Fear of animals is is one of those not uncommon fears in in children. So something, no traumatic event, you said. But so can you can you track back when it started? Well, (laughs) she's basically been like that since she's been here, Uh. and um, they live in Tuscaloosa, and. subdivision they're in they're you know cats and dogs so does it prevent her from going outside alone going out to the back door is she afraid does she want somebody to hold her hand right 
Yes. So what happens with these fears is often parents inadvertently reinforce them Mm. by saying, I'm protecting you. I'm going to take care of you here. I'll carry you across the yard so you don't have to walk by that dog. And so you you reinforce it. And the more you reinforce it, the more it increases the fear, because what you've done is you've reassured them that there is a reason that they should be fearful and that they need you to protect them. So um, the best way to deal with this is is gradually desensitize to the fear. And you kind of do this with any mm-hmm. any phobia, yeah. right? Right. So um, you just don't want to jump in the deep end right off the bat. No. I think that's where pay, you know parents make mistakes sometimes is to say, here, here's a cat and throw the throw cat, the at, cat the, uh, at them. Yeah. That's no, not I something you want to do. <laughs> no. But what you might want to do first um, is, and, and I've worked with patients like this before, where first you have a stuffed animal, mm-hmm. a cat. Or a picture, a picture or, of a cat. Yeah. yeah. So the stuffed animal, the picture, learn about cats. You do the same thing with weather. When you're afraid of it, the first thing I do is tell parents, go get them a good book um, that's age appropriate on weather and let them learn about mm-hmm. what's causing the noise. So you do the same thing with with cats or dogs and um and then um start with that and then the other thing i would do is find a friend um who has a pet that is very very docile and will sit down and let a child just touch it um so what you want to do is to just be able to first walk in the same room, walk in the same house with a cat. I mean, cats typically aren't going to run up to you and say, pet me. They're not the most no. social. Most of them no. aren't. Most of right. them aren't. <laughs> so you want to do something gradual. I would encourage you to encourage um, your children to to work with her in a gradual desensitization method. And sometimes it can, like, like Dr. Jimmy just said, it can really take a while to to desensitize. You just, you know, two or three tries. It may take a month of of just slowly but surely working through it. But you you really want to do that because that can be. Uh, I've had teenagers in my practice before who would not go outside for fear of a bug or fear of a of a a dog. Um, and so you want to go ahead and try to fix that as soon as you can. And and it's fixable, I promise. It may seem very difficult, but it is fixable. And you may need to seek some professional yeah, help. Yeah. And well, some... That's what my daughter was. She asked me, you know, do you think I need to see somebody? Mm-hmm. But you've given me some great information, and I appreciate it so much. Well, you are so welcome. Thank, Thank you for you. calling, Martha. That's, that's a common thing. And you do get to a point, you know, some parents get so, um, you're tied so emotionally to your child, you can't be the one that's helping them through that process. And sometimes you may not even know it. Maybe, you know, if your spouse has said, you know, honey, uh, the way your tone is coming across is creating some tension. Uh, I'd take that exactly. seriously because we don't know that sometimes. We're so emotionally involved. I saw this at a soccer game. A parent rushed out on the field to check on his son and then yelled at another player who, you know, who uh, who kicked him inadvertently. 
uh, you know, that's in, and apologize later because, you know, he's yeah. just so emotionally tied. We do that with our children. And sometimes, sometimes you can be the one to do that. I'd say most of the time you can walk them through that. That's one of the beauties of being a parent. Some of the, one of the gifts of being a parent, but sometimes you're tied so closely. Sometimes to we empathize yeah. way too much yeah. rather than having just the sympathy. Exactly. Yeah. Talking about fears today on Southern Remedy Kids and Teens with our special guest, Dr. Susan Buttress. We're going to take a short break, and when we get back, we're going to conclude our discussion. Plenty of time for you to call in if you've got something that you want to uh, ask us this morning. You can call us at one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We'll be right back. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and a state and worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. Southern Remedy is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio and is funded in part by a grant from the University of Mississippi Medical Center and by the generous support from you, our listeners. When Donald Trump speaks, he sounds different from past presidents. It appears to be free form, just like a comedian. I just got back from Israel, you know what I'm saying? I just got back from Florida. I was begging for, like, a regular commercial. Ivory Snow, Heinz Ketchup. Trump's speaking style, later on All Things Considered from NPR News. Today at 4 on NPB Think Radio. can trust in radio built around you. Mississippi Public Broadcasting. This is Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens with Dr. Jimmy Stewart on MPB Think Radio. To take part in today's show with your questions or comments, call 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. Or you can email the show, kids at mpbonline.org. And now, Southern Remedy, Kids and Teens on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. I'm Dr. Jimmy here with Dr. Susan Buttress, and we're talking about fear, particularly that crippling fear that sometimes we deal with for a long time. We've heard several callers that were brave enough to share some you know, pretty traumatic things that they still have some repercussions from later in life, and uh, fear certainly plays a role in that. Certainly, if you can deal with it sooner rather than later, uh, that's that's the best thing to do. And we've talked Absolutely. a l- little bit about how best to do that. Or Really, there's not one way. It's sort of like sleep patterns in kids. You mm-hmm. know, people say, hey, this book saved my life when I had a newborn. Uh, and another parent picks it up and says, I, this is not I working for us. I completely disagree. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> so there's probably not one way to do that. You do have to, as you mentioned earlier, uh, you do have to individualize that to the particular child. You have to know your child, what works for them. And the younger that child is, the less information you're going to have about that, of course. You sort of have to walk through it. Uh, but what are some general suggestions? If they have a, an overwhelming fear, 
you know, I think one of the first things is, is it something that is out of proportion to what it should be? In other words, you know, younger right. kids are going to have those fears that are healthy that help protect them. Right, right. So uh, fear of strangers is okay. Mm-hmm. And you expect that fear of strangers to, to be there at, you know, as early as four or five months, um, you know, nine months, two years. Those are sort of the, the peak times for um, for stranger anxiety and fear. Um, if they become so paralyzed that they can't look at someone and they won't talk out in public, then you're dealing with something significantly different. Um, the same thing goes with fear of the dark. Most two-year-olds don't want to be in a completely black room. They won't walk into a dark room. If the bathroom, if you're toilet training a three-year-old and the bathroom is completely dark, many, Mm -hmm. they can't reach the light switch most of the time. So they're not going to be able to do that. But if you have a child who's, say, four or five years old, and they won't stay in a room alone, um, or they they won't walk into a hallway that's not completely lit, then you're dealing with something different. So you, you have to, like you just mentioned, take each situation, look at it. If it's interfering with their sense of well-being, their day-to-day life, if they appear to have this fight-or-flight phenomena every time they're exposed to something, then you really need to try to deal with it. You don't want to belittle it. You want to make sure that you you verify what they're afraid of, and then you figure out ways to reassure it. And that may be, um, like we said, leave the nightlight on. It may be letting them learn about the weather, but give them knowledge. Give them something that they can build on, and then a way um, that they can better cope with things. You're really just walking them through that, you know, yeah. walking along and, and showing them uh, that you know, that fear is not... It's not tied to a reality. It's really tied to something else in their mind. Right. Um, but you have to, you can't. The other thing I, I, I hear a lot is, you know, somebody will say, hey, my four-year-old is doing this. I tried to explain it to them, uh, you know, as best I could, and they still, they're, they're not getting it. Uh, yeah. And I usually reply, that's exactly right. A four-year-old can't reason through things that way. They're right. very concrete about things. So. Right. You want to make sure that your explanation yeah. of the thunder and the lightning are developmentally appropriate, too. Yeah. So you might have to simplify it. You may know that you have the brightest kid in the world, but you may have to simplify it just so that they can understand yeah, it. Yeah, sometimes you can. <laughs> I, I use analogies a lot uh, in teaching and, and with my kids, and I have to be careful because sometimes they get so literal about what I'm saying. Uh, uh-huh. They're like, oh, oh, no, that's not what I was talking about. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Dr. Butters, for being with us this morning. Thank as we talked you. about I enjoyed fear. it a lot, and I appreciate the callers. Uh, and if you'd like to hear more of Dr. Buttress, you can tune in on Tuesdays and hear her at 11 for Relatively Speaking. That's all the time that we have for today for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens, which is a production of MPB Think Radio. Uh, our producer today has been Jay White, and our call screener is Sam Wells. I'm Dr. Jimmy. You can tune in next Thursday at 11 for Southern Remedy Kids and Teens. And stay tuned for NPR's Here and Now, coming up next on MPB Think Radio.
This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. Folks, we are under the gun here with a wall of rain and embedded thunderstorm activity pushing through a good chunk of Mississippi. Extremely heavy rain in a short amount of time could aggravate flooding. And some of the storms here may pulsate too soon. 